breaking a record for the most episodes ever of any English language Argentine football podcast. Welcome to Hand of Pod. There was one back in the 1920s that everybody's forgotten about, but uh, podcasts apparently weren't quite such big things then, so it doesn't really matter. They weren't official podcasts back then. And that one was pretty friendly as well. Absolutely. Yeah, whereas this one's full on bitchy, as you like, all the way through, as, as we know. Very competitive as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm Sam Kelly. You've already heard, uh, which way around shall I do this, English down. Hello. And Australian down. Good evening. And for the second week in a row... <laughs> I'm astonished to say uh, we've got Sebastian Garcia, who this season appears only to come on the podcast after Independiente won a match. See, si, just to prove that I am not biased, so <laughs> I'm here to celebrate every Independiente win and Racing win, of course. Of course, Get over yeah. one. absolutely. Um, we've got a bit of stuff to get through this week. We're recording just a few minutes. What is it? Maybe an hour after the full-time whistle at uh, Barcelona versus Granada, a match in which Lionel Messi became Barcelona's all-time top scorer in competitive matches. Professional era, maybe if you want. No, I think <laughs> I, I, I don't know whether Alcantara was was professional or not, so I'm not going to. Are you say are that, you are you suggesting that Paulino Alcantara got a brown envelope behind <laughs> below I, the desk? I, I'm, <laughs> saying, I'm saying I don't know when professionalism no, came in in Spain, but it may well have been before La Liga was born. Um, yeah. Anyway, well, uh, I was only joking. You're taking it really seriously. <laughs> yeah, no. So I'm, I'm not going to joke anymore. Sorry. Uh, well, no, the, the, the reason that my um, my dad's uncle, so my great uncle, played uh, rugby. Which one's the one that didn't go professional union. players? Union. Uh, played rugby union for um, a club near Manchester and, and also played the occasional rugby league game for a professional team um, in what was then the, the, the top flight of, of that era. This was back in like, the 1920s, 1930s. Um, and he had to play the league under under a separate name and he never told his father mm. he was doing it because he used to get paid. So, yeah, it's, it's a very touchy subject in my family. <laughs> so. um, and, yeah, I know you're all looking at me now in, in disbelief that somebody related to me would have ever played professional rugby. He wasn't a blood relation, so it's, you know, I'm not claiming to show any clearly. Where shall we start this, this, this week thing, guys? I, I think the, the big talking point has obviously been uh, San Lorenzo against Colón. Um, in, in the domestic league yeah I think Seba should explain what happened there firstly yeah Seba's yeah, going to give us a detailed run through of everything that went the on the other Blaugranas yeah. <laughs> San Lorenzo of course of course in a relegation battle um, they host uh, Colón de Santa Fe on Sunday and they were up 1-0 everything was nice sunny day Colón down to 10 <laughs> men after Esteban Fuertes punched punch Palomino uh, San Lorenzo defender and then it was uh, something really really strange that you might have seen uh, online uh, I know you three did online uh, did see it I- I'm talking to the listeners now <laughs> but there was a cross going towards the San Lorenzo penalty area and a defender clears it to uh, to to his left 
And Palomino, in fact. Palomino, in fact, yeah. yeah. And um, Federico Iguain, the brother of Gonzalo, picks it up, and, and as, as he is picking the ball up, or getting, getting to, uh, to the ball, uh, every, every player in, in the box, looking at, at his direction, can see the linesman in the background, on the background, and, and, and the linesman. Yeah, he's got clearly his flag up and yeah, he's flying for offside. He's flagging for offside. He's flagging yeah. for offside, and, and rightly so, because Iwain was taking Quite advantage offside, yeah. and he was offside when, when, when the cross, the original cross, yeah. uh, uh, was taken. So um, the defenders, they stopped playing, they just start uh, walking towards, uh, well, in the other direction. And Iwain sends the cross in. And I know, I know Iwain, of course, couldn't see the linesman. He, he couldn't. He said yeah. afterwards he, he, the linesman was right behind him, so he didn't notice himself. Exactly. And nobody was looking at the referee, and the referee was saying no to the linesman with, with, his, with his right hand uh, way up. And so he decided to, to continue play. And Garcet was standing in the penalty area. He got to the well. The ball got to him, and he just touched it towards mm. goal, but without meaning to. No. It was kind of one of those. It was one of those finishes you see when the player's already been caught offside, and the momentum takes him, and they just shoot anyway. Yeah, just momentum. Exactly. So he scored. He didn't know, and the referee points towards the 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 center world. How do you call this spot in the middle of the center spot? Yeah, the center spot. You're on the right track. Cheers. Cheers. And then all, 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 all hell broke loose, and uh, yeah, it ended up with death threats for the referee and family members of the referee Diego Aval. And a lot of fans actually came down from the platea into the dressing yeah. room and tried to force their way into Aval's dressing, yeah, his yeah. room and everything. And a huge debate on whether the referee was right or wrong. Mm. It turned out, it turned out he was wrong. And uh, and Emelec just missed the, the goal of the century. They're playing well, Lanús as well. During Emelec versus Lanús. Lanús scored. Yeah. Lanús scored. Yeah. 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 scored as well. Yeah. Mm. And now uh, Luciano Figueroa missed. <laughs> anyway, it, it, it you know, turned yeah, out. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Turn off the TV. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it was it was a wrong decision by the referee. The linesman tried to t- uh, tried to tell him that he saw Iwain was offside, and he decided to, to he he made a mistake with the yeah. not with the, the decision but with the rules. He didn't know the rules properly. Yeah. Uh, he was um, basically playing the rule that because the defender had played at the ball, uh, he put the uh, put Iguain on onside, which is not the case anymore. It's that. It's only if the defender tries to pass the ball. And, and ironically, it hasn't been the case since the decision during the 2006 World Cup made by an Argentine referee, Horacio Elizondo, um, who, who now is the sort of... I love him, he's, he's on Twitter. And he's his like account a referee guru. Absolutely brilliant. Um, he wrote an article for Dole, actually, the day after yes, exactly, the incident. Yeah. I don't follow um, referees. Sorry. <laughs> I, 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 follow, I follow one, one ex-referee, which is Elizondo. Um... And yeah, he, he made the decision in, it was South Korea against somebody, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, when, when the ball that. got played through, it came off um, it, it came off a defender, 
that I think in, in that occasion the linesman actually wanted to give the goal and Ernie Sondor said no because the guy was offside when it was played through even though he no, the goal was no. given yeah what, what happened I'm sorry he allowed it it was correct. the other way around yeah. and the Koreans the conceded the goal after it had rebounded off the defender and they all yeah. went nuts but yeah and it was a, a bit different because it was a reflect uh, it was like a ref, uh, reflex mm-hmm. from the linesman yeah. because yeah, sure. he knew the ball was mm. uh, played towards that uh, uh, forward and he saw he was offside. Mm. He didn't know who. Uh, exactly. Yeah, he was on the was, yeah. But as, as a result of that decision, FIFA rewrote the not yeah. so much the law itself, but the interpretation of it. Um, and in that particular instance, and that's why. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, Although at the same time, San Lorenzo's players in this instance were were also to blame. Didn't yeah, that's what I was yeah. going to say. Is like the you need Korean, to play to the whistle. Yeah, the Korean players made, made that mistake in, uh, in 2006, yeah. and the San Lorenzo players made the same mistake now, albeit not as big a mistake as the referee, but they should have. Yeah. continue to play and I know there was some some controversy after the game as well because uh, San Lorenzo director it's hard to say if this was true or if it was a way of kind of shifting the blame onto Abau rather than their fans he said that as Abau was going to the police car which was taking him out of the stadium he gave a a thumbs down sign to the, to the officials like you're going down <laughs> Which yeah, and then they changed it afterwards and said, "Oh no, it wasn't a ball; it was the fourth official." Yeah, so it's all, all becoming very sort of murky. But yeah, um, but I think the result basically is that a ball is not going to be refereeing for the next two weeks. Uh, yeah, the he's admitted his mistake since then. Yeah, um, he's admitted it and come clean. Yeah, he has not. Yeah. Oh, good because yeah. he, he gave an interview the day after saying. No, it wasn't my, my fault. There were different interpretations. Yeah. But oh, if he's okay. said but something else since, then that's good. He must have read, um, read, actually read the rules. And then <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, the, the other thing, of course, is that San Lorenzo are going to, to make a plea to the effort to not have him refereeing any more of their matches. Right. Um, possibly ever, which I think actually wouldn't be a bad idea no, anyway. Right. Because can you imagine the fuss if you've got enough prefer that as well, a decision yeah. wrong against them? Because this and isn't going to be... He's not going to be shopping in that boy Carrefour for a while. No. <laughs> and it reminds me of uh, San Lorenzo's rivals, uh, Huracan, when they finished the season as runners-up, uh, oh, yeah. they lost the final uh, game of the season against Vélez. And, and Maxi Morales scored, yeah. Yeah, and Maxi Morales uh, scored, but he fouled the goalkeeper mm. and... Oh, no, no, not him, but Larive fouled the goalkeeper, mm. and it was a massive mistake. And and, and then it was a uh, Brasenas, who was the the referee, had disallowed a, a perfectly valid goal for Huracan. So after that, Brasenas uh, received death threats, and and he never refereed a single f- uh, professional match ever again. Mm. So um, I wonder if this. If the same thing is going to happen to Aval, and uh, they're already comparing the two uh, cases, and they're yeah. really similar in a way. <clears throat> the other, in Brasena's case, it was an, an huracan. It was a matter of uh, a team losing a, a valid a yeah. chance of, of getting or becoming champions, mm-hmm. and in this case, it's a team who could be going down and. and not, not because of this decision, but many fans will take it as it was because of this. So, uh, or it could be because of this. Yeah. So, I, uh, so what do you think? I have, to, be, I have yeah. to say, I'm really sad and depressed that every time a situation like this goes on, you get overreactions mm-hmm. and, and you you get a real fe- uh, feeling of uh, not being safe uh, anymore. Or nobody is safe in in, in Argentine yeah. football anymore, and. and I'm really tired of violence in Argentine mm-hmm. football, and I, I hope 
there will come a day in which all, all this nonsense will stop, but I, I, I don't see it. I don't see the light at the end of, of the tunnel. And I think for me the real problem is that, as I've seen in the days, what we've had, two days now since the incident, kind of, haven't seen one statement from, say, the AFA condemning San Lorenzo for how their fans acted and the death threats and this kind of thing and backing Aval. Mm. You know, of course, he made a mistake, he should be sanctioned for that appropriately, but this whole kind of thing, the violent threats and think this, it's just unacceptable for a referee. They, they can't work in that condition and you've got to think that if something like that happened in Europe, then the sanctions for the team, the disciplinary proceedings would be absolutely, you know, yeah. Although it does, it does look very much like San Lorenzo are going to have their stadium closed, albeit for yeah. only two matches, is the most recent uh, yeah. rumour going around, which yeah. is, seems extraordinary. If you, I saw a few people on Twitter afterwards suggesting that San Lorenzo yeah. should be expecting something at least as bad as the punishment that was given to River mm. um, at the end of last season when River were relegated, uh, which I thought probably would have been. Slight. I mean, mm-hmm. as far as I'm aware, San Lorenzo's fans weren't trashing the, the area around the stadium. Albeit, it would have been difficult to make it any worse than it was. Or getting <laughs> into the referee's dressing room no, exactly. at half time. And I, I think that what Rivers, Barrett, and fans did was worse than the yeah, what I know yeah. about what San Lorenzo's fans did the other day, at least. Um, but yeah, it certainly seems like two matches is a rather more lenient punishment yeah. than a lot of yeah. people were expecting from them. Yeah, and, then, and their next uh, home <coughs> game is going to be against Vélez, and there is a history really of violence yeah. between, yeah. and even a death uh, of the a fight. Season, yeah. yeah, so uh, maybe it's not it's not such a bad thing that no. there, there won't be San Lorenzo fans at that match. I wonder if they're, if they're going to allow Vélez fans to go to that or mean behind closed doors and, and to be honest I would have <coughs> also almost been surprised if, if Bellis fans had been allowed in even if this hadn't happened to, to that particular game given as we say what happened last, I remember last yeah. year they were talking about this last year it was the same thing it was the same thing in uh, San Lorenzo Stadium as well I think it was between two plateaus and they were frying chairs and flying ah, that was uh, the when they play in Boca Stadium and no 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 in, it was in it was in Bajo Flores ah. but it was maybe 2000 and ah. maybe this time last year in 2011 or maybe 2010 yeah uh-huh. It's kind of two groups of Platea when where the two are kind of close to each other in the back of Flores Stadium. And yeah, they just started attacking each other with missiles. I think someone got put into a coma because mm. he got hit in the head with like a breeze block. And there was another San Lorenzo Vélez game who was played, which was played at Boca. Yeah. And, and, and there were no San Lorenzo fans there. And the journalists. But the journalists, <laughs> <laughs> the journalists went at each other. And, yeah. Uh, it's, it's depressing. I, I laugh, but I don't know why. It's, it's just... We laugh so we don't cry. Mm. Yeah. There's, um, there, there is more more to talk about. Um, San Lorenzo's draw with with Huracan. Also, the fact, let's say, okay, Colón didn't really deserve the point, but San Lorenzo failed to break down a team who were down to ten men for well mm. over half the game. Um, San Lorenzo's draw means that they lost the opportunity to extend a little bit of a lead over mm. Tigre in the relegation table because Tigre were held as well to a draw 1-1 with Estudiantes. Well, um, Tigre are now out of the direct relegation. They are, mm. thanks to Atletico Rafaela losing to. Can anybody remember? Arsenal de Sarandi. Thank you, well done, Dan. Uh, in, yeah, you're right. In, in the very last match of the weekend, with a fantastic goal from Jorge Ortiz um, on the volley from, from the edge of the penalty area quite early on for Arsenal. Yes. Um, Was it Newell's? Newell's played Rafaela, I think. No, Newell's played Rafael. Newell's so played who did Rafael Arsenal beat? Yeah. Banfield. Yeah. Banfield. Yeah. Banfield. Yeah. 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 Newell's beat Rafael 1 0. 
Yeah, we don't second, cons- second consecutive it. win for Newell's. And absolutely we, Banfield. Yes. We don't have the, uh, the the scores from the weekend just in front of us, so bear with us. Just disregard everything I just said, please, listeners. <laughs> um, although, in fact, the, the score was the same, 1-0, yeah. and, and Rafael Ara in the relegation uh, direct relegation spot. So for the first time this season, Tigre are out of the, the automatic relegation spots. Um, they're still three points behind San Lorenzo after both of them drew. They're also top of the Clausura still by... Mm-hmm. One, One point, point over yeah. Boca. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tigre have 14, Boca have 13. Mm-hmm. Um, Estudiantes are, are fourth, I think, or third. Um, yeah. I think, is it Vélez and Estudiantes joint third? Maybe? I've got a feeling they're fourth and fifth, and there's somebody else in third, uh, but I can't remember. Uh, we might get the league table over in a little while, then <laughs> we can discuss it properly. <laughs> um, but yeah, in Estudiantes, a, a draw against them six months ago for Tigre would have been a, a disappointing result whereas now you're starting to wonder whether Estudiantes are getting their mojo back somewhat um, yeah, well, they they are, I mean, they're in, still unbeaten 11 or 12 games now in the league um, Tigre and Estudiantes are probably two of the form teams at the moment yeah, yeah. yeah. two of the three teams have beaten so far Boca has been beaten mm-hmm. by Independiente two weeks ago and the third team unbeaten Always, is uh, Vélez. No, always lost Vélez. to Plasin, yeah. so it's Vélez. Vélez yeah. So yeah, those three are, are uh, really in form right now, uh, or on form. In form? In form. In form. In form. Okay, cheers. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's back to Vélez Estudiantes uh, mm-hmm. dominating together with Boca. And Tigre. <laughs> yeah, and... Just as it ever was. Well, if you think back to the, the season like two or three seasons ago, yeah, yeah, yeah. when yeah, yeah. they had the three-way playoff, right after being promoted as well. Yeah. Um, and I think out of those three, at the moment from what I've seen, and also thinking, of course, about the copper commitments that Boca and and Vélez have, you have to think that Estudiantes are gonna are gonna be up there. The others yeah. are probably gonna drop a few points if they keep going in the copper. Mm. Uh, whereas Estudiantes, they can they can concentrate completely on the league. So it's going to be very hard to beat. I'd, I'd agree with that, and in fact, I've made a, a very similar point in my previews for for this coming weekend for, for Hong Kong Jockey Club. Um, that it wouldn't surprise me if Estudiantes can mount a serious challenge. Tigre are going to be dangerous as well, just because of the motivation they've got. Yeah, they, sure. It's not even about a title for them. They've got to keep winning to just to stay alive in the division, mm. um, which is you know one of the I guess what. A bonus if you were going to try and find one of having such a bizarre relegation system. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a bonus, yeah. <laughs> yeah in, in this case, at least. Um, other results, guys? Then anything that really stood yeah, well, out? Think- Racing for the first time in the professional era, which is now what just over eighty years old, um, have recorded two consecutive three 0 victories. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. First time they've, well, they've done that. Yeah, yeah, I read the stat, and it's a result that Racing got eighty times yeah, since nineteen thirty one. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it was a good win, and this time the, the Racing uh, Racing lost twice already in five mm-hmm. games, and those two times the uh, Racing lost were against ten men. And when a red card was shown yeah. to the exactly to like, Olimpo oh, defender early on, uh, yeah. after only thirteen yeah. uh, minutes, Villanueva clearly punched uh, Federico Santander in the face yeah. and deserved to, to, to see the red card even though afterwards he said he never touched him or he was he was <laughs> lying it was definitely a, it, it, was, it wasn't a, it was a, a high make but it was definitely exactly, contact yeah. you can't hit yeah they were right from the floor he flicked his fist back and it hit Santander yeah, in the face it was the yeah. hand of God yeah. <laughs> but, of the devil yeah. but it's intriguing yeah. to see um, Santander play actually while we're on the subject because at the moment yeah we've seen him he's played 
two games from the start and he also came on against Davison Owen in a 0-0 draw um, he hasn't scored yet and he's had a couple of decent chances hasn't been able to put them away but I think he's definitely just one of these strikers I'm sure all of us sitting around this table have got our favourites who's just an absolute nightmare for, for any defender to, to handle he's, he's big he's wide um, he, he loves contact people, yeah, he, he loves contact he grabs shirts he turns and he's yeah, a bruiser he's a bruiser yeah yes. and it's, yes. it's kind of a slight yeah. 20 years old 20, he looks yeah. about 45 he's yeah. Harry Wayne um, yeah, just exactly. this season. Um, yeah. and, and he does have quite a terrible shot though or from what we've seen so far we saw him against all boys um, and partly because I hadn't realised that Racing had changed their shirt numbers round which also didn't help but I mistook him for Pablo Laguercio <laughs> <laughs> it was almost like watching Laguercio yeah, in front yeah, of yeah. 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 but it's good like, it's, been, it's been a long time in uh, Racing since I can remember that they've had a, had a player like that up front I think one thing we often say maybe Bergesio was a bit like that yeah, with, a, maybe. with a lot more yeah. goal in, I him, think, in his game yeah. Yeah. I think one thing I've definitely said around my friends who go to the stadium with me is that often it seems that uh, Racing lack a bit of attitude and now you know they've got Teo they've got Santander mm. uh, Pelletieri to one extent these kind of people that love getting involved and yeah you know, put a bit of uh, spice into a game. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, too. Turns out I'm, I'm reminded of the famous quote from, um, mm. uh, God, was it Michael Ballack when, when he moved to, um, to Barcelona? Who's, who's, no, not to Bayern Munich. <laughs> who's the one who nobody likes? Well, I don't like Ballack. So, 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 <laughs> some, no, but it wasn't Ballack. So somebody turned up to Bayern Munich like 10 years or so ago and they said, uh, how, how do you think you can fit in with the first team squad? Yeah. And uh, his response was, I think the problem that Bayern are having at the moment, the, the reason they, okay, it wasn't 10 years ago because they haven't won a title in a few years, um, he said that the problem they have at the moment is that there aren't enough arseholes in the squad. Mm-hmm. And I'm basically here to be an arsehole. And this is, you know, that's certainly not something that Racing is suffering mm-hmm. from now. <laughs> it may, maybe a couple of years ago it was, and at yeah. the moment they, they've got more than enough arseholes to yeah. go around. Yeah, yeah. Speaking, but speaking of, I think I know the arsehole you're, uh, you're yeah. referring to. And in the last two games, he's just been fantastic. Of yeah. course, Teo Gutierrez, he's been on the podcast many a time. Oh, I thought you were going to remind me who the Bayern player was. If any of our <laughs> listeners can remember who this Bayern no, player was, please get in touch. Yeah. It's somebody who's won a World Cup or something, and I'm yeah. ashamed not to be able to remember. Yeah. But yeah, Teo's been on our podcast many a time, a lot of times, good reasons. And probably in the last six months or so, as many times for slightly more negative reasons. But he's just playing yeah, fantastic, and he's been... Probably for me, the the main thrust behind uh, Racing's revival in the last two fixtures. Yes, yeah. yeah. he's not week. playing as a striker now. He's playing yeah. more as an enganche or playmaker, organising Yeah, he's distributing the ball well mm-hmm. and scoring as well. Well, he scored well. For me, that was the, that was Theo's goal. That yeah. Everyone, yeah. yeah, a lot of people were very quick to come out and say no, it's an own goal. But Theo got contact on it. It was going towards the goal. You have to give it to the striker. It's yeah. not like. In, in the same way as the Maradona's second goal against England in '86, I was about to Maradona's say, goal. <laughs> I was never about to say, goal in a million years. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say that I still hear people <clears throat> saying that it was Terry Butcher who scored the own goal there. No, no, I, I think it was Maradona, but yeah. I can certainly see why people yeah. look yeah. at it, and, because there's never really been a completely clear angle that 100% says it I never saw, uh, I never saw uh, an angle that tells me that Terry no exactly, exactly. Well, that's, so that's, that's it that's it right in the <laughs> yeah. no, for me that was Theo's goal like, without yeah. question yeah. Yeah. yeah but um, to me the game of the weekend was uh, Vélez and Union mm. brilliant mm. because he was he had everything and uh, it was a 3-3 three, uh, three, three draw 
and Union got up uh, got ahead was it? yeah, yeah, yeah. and then Vélez scored yeah, yeah, three yeah. goals before half time yeah and we're 3-1 up at the break yeah. um, and Union fought back and, and scored two more goals one of them 10 minutes from time and they did the same a couple of weeks ago against Colón so they're showing a lot of resilience and, and, and this is from a team that uh, spent like more than 500 uh, minutes without scoring uh, at the start of the, the end of the apertura start of the clausura and they seemed that they were never going to score but when, when they have their backs against the wall they respond yeah. and they score and, and they're getting points yeah. and that's crucial for them yeah. uh, but they need they, they still need to get a, a couple of wins to to be safe from relegation yeah and of course not so far and of course the weekend coming they'll be visiting El Cilindro and playing Racing which mm-hmm. in a game which is pretty pretty vital for both I mean yeah. if Racing win and have a results go their way they can cut you think cutting within three points of the of the summit is going to be ambitious because the other teams out there but if they can get within four points maybe on if everything kind of goes their way then it's definitely looking I see, I looking see your dream again. I see your dream again. I, yeah I, 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 I tell myself you're going to you're going to you are going to have your heart broken again so that's so still happens the from Adios, right? <laughs> I am yeah I was really happy Racing won twice uh, yeah. I think there's nine teams yeah. between the Racing and the, and the drop now yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Because yeah, if had Racing lost the last two, they would have been yeah. deep in relegation trouble again. Uh, especially with News picking up points, yeah. two consecutive wins for them too under Martino. They're showing that they were they were really not that bad in terms of the players they yeah. have. They just needed someone who knows what what they're doing, what what he's doing. And Martino certainly yeah. is that kind of manager. So uh, they're gonna be. Safe this year, and maybe next season they're gonna have to yeah. really, really have a very strong season yeah. if if they wanna be safe. But they were risking getting relegated or at least being promotion places yeah. with the added risk of having to face Rosario Central coming from second division in a in, in a promotion that you were. You would have loved to see as a neutral, but you would have hated if you were born in Rosarians or yeah. support one of those two teams. Or if you just lived in Rosario. <laughs> oh, yes. oh, yes. oh, or in South America. <laughs> or in South America. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, how are we feeling about Tigre now? I, I, think we, I, like, I think we should talk about it every week, how we see them week by week. Um, now that they're actually out of the direct relegation I'd, zone. I'd, I'd like to ask you again, Dan, whether you still think it's impossible for them to stay up. I think it's still unlikely, but. They, they are making it more and more likely every week. Yeah, sticking uh, to your guns here, right? Yeah. yeah. We've dug himself kind of into a hole. He's got to just stay there and, yeah. and battle away. I, I, I found myself just... I really want them to do it. Now, as, as well as, as thinking that they can do it, I, I found myself really, really... Well, I've always said that I really want them to do it. I, I actually really wanted to go to the game on the weekend, but I was away for the weekend. But um, yeah. I'll try and catch a Tigre game in the next couple of weeks. Um, but, Seba, I'm feeling. Uh, yeah, I said before the, the, the season started, I emailed you my predictions for for the season, and I thought Tigre were going down. Um, but now, with all boys dropping points and getting... Um, in that fight too and Tigre picking up points they're going to lose eventually yeah. sometime and they don't have that big margin of error but yeah. um, it'll be about how they react to that first defeat yes That's exactly. Okay. exactly but they're I don't know how many points they have uh, deducted in the margin they have uh, 
again with San Lorenzo they're only three points ahead now yeah. Yeah. and I think they started the Clausura 17, like 17, 17 or 12 yeah. so now uh, if I have to if you ask me right now I think they're gonna they're gonna finish the, the, the Clausura ahead of San Lorenzo in, prom, in, mm-hmm. in, in promedios and they still have to play each other so that, that that's yeah. And I think that game comes, it's either the penultimate game or the oh, third to last game. The third last game. Yeah, so that's going to be an absolute hellacious gun battle. As <laughs> don't, think be, don't think there'll be any fans allowed in the stadium for that one. <laughs> <laughs> the authorities have any sense at all. So, um, right, uh, so right now I fear, li- I fear a little bit for all boys because they're, they're not playing well, too well uh, after, well they started with a good run of, of, of games yeah. the last the first four but then they lost to Racing and I don't know I don't know if they're if they have, if they have enough to make it mm. uh, also Rafaela Rafaela who are now in the automatic spots stone, and, yeah. and they, six months ago at this point in the Apertura were doing fantastically and appear to have just forgotten how to play football now yeah. I think um, Rafaela are going to have a real job trying to get out of it because once they've now no, they're down there now they've da- they're down there it's a psychological hit they don't have the best squad a lot of time you know you can see they're playing on confidence they're playing on enthusiasm mm. now they're in and they have a real battle it's a whole new story yeah you manager, manager you, be, you wonder how, how long will it take for Forestello yeah. to have an impact in his game and in, mm. in his uh, squad and mm-hmm. make them improve you know? I mean, if, he, if he doesn't how long will the fans take to turn on him mm. because I'm now going to link this in to Banfield um, some of whose managerial well some of whose uh, tactical changes uh, at the weekend from new manager Eduardo Acevedo were being booed on his first game in charge (laughs) which um, I mean I know Uruguayans aren't always popular in Argentina but that's taking it a little bit too far (laughs) surely isn't it? No don't don't give us that fame we love Uruguayans as long as they're not wearing that uh, celeste shirt and playing against <laughs> us and winning Copa America in our home <laughs> in, in our backyard we love them but um, he, he, he admitted he made mistakes and he made wrong substitutions and he said I, I have no problems taking the blame for this it's my responsibility and I, it's part of the job and I will accept it and I think Banfield fans are, are a bit more difficult to handle than those from Rafaela because yeah. Rafaela, you know, they're not so used to being in first division and, and I, I'm not saying they, they, they don't care whether they're, they go down or not. But they came into Primera expecting to fight for their lives. Exactly. Key, you know, they had one objective for the year which was survival, survival, survival. Exactly. Like Forestello is a, is a club, I wouldn't say he's a club legend, but he has a history with Rafaela he will have more credit. The credit will be open for at least a few more weeks, yeah. and that's not the case with Acevedo mm. yet. I don't know if if ever. <laughs> As I was say, I feel a little bit the same about all boys and, and their fans. I, I think that they just enjoy being in the in the first division, but they and they, they make a big deal about yeah. all boys is in Primera and stuff. But I, I feel like they don't really think that they, you know, they're, they think of themselves as a first division team. Mm. Yeah. So if they went down, it wouldn't be like. Devastating for them. No. Plus, the coach is exactly. probably the closest you can get to untouchable in uh, yeah. Argentine football. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's a well-run club, so yeah, I, w- I still want them to to do well despite having a lot of thugs playing for them. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's tricky for Banfield because it's it's a bit similar to Newell's situ- situation because in Promedios, once this season is over. 
they're going to be yeah. in, in, in the brown stuff uh, then definitely again, then again Banfield just have to count their blessings because if it was done just on a 12 month, month table relegation yeah, they'd be dead and buried right. already yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 14 points I think now from, from the whole season yeah only Capital one win yeah, only one win for them yeah. uh, and it was against Racing yeah. this, in this class yeah, you've got to think they'd already been done yeah yeah uh, more on to happier stories uh, for Independiente. Of course. They won twice in a row as well. Mm-hmm. As well. And two 0 at home against Belgrano. They have a decent away record. Belgrano, we, we know that. Um, so yeah, Ernesto Farias scored again, four goals yeah. in, in, in two games. And then the, the kid uh, Montserrat. I can't remember yeah. his first name. Fabian, I think it's Fabian Montserrat. Fabian well Montserrat. done. Um, yeah, yeah, two late well goals. Done. Fifteen minutes from time, yeah. Independiente opened the scoring, and but they they were the better team throughout. Um, I mean, the, the goals did come late on, but they came as a result of, of a lot of pressure. And it really seems like Independiente might just start to believe in themselves a bit more, especially if they can get a, another win this weekend or at least avoid defeat. They'll be feeling like they're on a roll again. Um, and I think I, I tweeted right after full time, uh, or possibly even just before full time of, of that match, that. What Independiente's directors need to do, in my opinion, now is to stop fannying around and trying to talk this manager or that manager uh, into coming back to them, having already had three or four spells in the past and being a fan favourite, and just give the job to Cristian Diaz full time because he's had such a huge impact on on the same squad of players who are playing as if they've never met each other before for the first four games of the of the season. And they've now got two two consecutive wins away to Boca, which is no mean feat, of course, and and at home to to Belgrano. Um, mm-hmm. And I was wondering if Seba would like to explain the lovely present the Independiente players brought for Ramon Diaz on his, uh, on his departure. A, a king-size bed? A king-size bed, yeah. Yeah, well, there's a saying here in, in Argentina that um, when someone is doing things on purpose to get you fired from work or yeah, to, to, for bad things to happen to you, it's that they're making the bed for you. And uh, yeah, that's. I don't think that's what happened with Independiente players, but there are. It's one of these rumors going around. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't say it's a rumor. It's a crazy now. notion that's making the rounds. Yeah. And so he seemed crazy. pretty happy when he left. I'm not happy, but he was quite calm about it. So you'd think he would be a bit more angry if, if that was the case. He sort of said thank you to everyone. Everyone's been great. Yeah, uh, I'm leaving now. Bye. Yeah, I think it was a coincidence, and we we. We spoke about this at large uh, in the last episode about how freaky that result that La Bombonera was and how they were losing until the last minute. So I, I think it's, it's crazy talk and, and people will talk all the time. But yeah, he just wanted me to say uh, what was the <laughs> saying here in Argentina. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess the English phrase, I was thinking about it earlier, we were discussing it, and I think stitched up would probably be the best mm-hmm. we could do it in English. We got stitched up. Yeah. Um, Elsewhere, normal service was was resumed in San Juan, um, not for the home side, but for the visitors, Boca Juniors. Uh, they binary called. Yeah, exactly. They they played a football match and they won it one nil again. Walter um, Eviti scoring sort of midway through the second half, um, without Juan Román Riquelme, without Clemente Rodriguez, uh, which I, it's kind of funny because we were just talking last week about how how. Uh, Boca played better without Riquelme mm. we didn't mention Rodriguez in that uh, discussion admittedly well I think uh, Sunday was it was just a completely typical Boca performance that we saw in the Apertura and 
An ugly, an ugly win for Falcioni. An ugly win, yeah. <laughs> I know it's a revolutionary concept, but I'm even a five nil is ugly if, yeah. if your manager is Falcioni. Especially when they turn the camera to him at the end. Yeah, yeah. that makes it a really ugly I mean. win. Yeah, but yeah, Boca did absolutely nothing to set the world alight. It was a pretty uninspiring game, and then I think I can't remember the exact time. It was about 15, 20 minutes into the second half, maybe. Hmm. Uh, they put a couple of passes together, and Riti finished very nicely, and. I don't know how many goals he scored for Boca. He scored a couple, two or three since he's been there, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But not not as many as he'd have been hoping for, I think. Although, of course, no, I think he's not going to be for much of yeah. the time. And yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think anyone's really scored as many goals for Boca in the last year as <laughs> they'd like to. Especially uh, Sam's favourite person, Santiago Silva, who's mm. still on a duck. Yeah, or um, the or the striker that scores one goal every 541 minutes that is not called Fernando <laughs> Torres, <laughs> and it's Pablo Mochi, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible record, and, and well, he he's not he's not finding the, the back of the net, even though he did uh, against San Lorenzo yeah, and against Martin. Arsenal. He's exactly like early on. Yeah, he's probably in his form of his life. I think yeah. he is, I think he's in the <laughs> best form of his life. He's actually playing fairly well. Uh, early yeah. on against San Martin, he missed two absolutely astonishing chances in like the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and then I turned over to watch 10 minutes of the game that was on at the same time, I can't remember which match, and then turned over to watch 10 minutes of the Boca game and Marche got through again. Mm. And the commentator said, that's like the fourth or fifth one he's missed. And I thought, God, he's yeah. had two whilst I've not been watching as well in that case. Yeah. Just, the, the first one was a, a header from the very middle of the goal, completely unmarked, about five yards out. And he managed to put it over the crossbar. Mm. It was I, I still have to say I see a lot of potential in him. Just solely on on, on the fact that he's uh, fast and he's yeah. he knows sometimes what to do with the ball at his feet and <laughs> sometimes. sometimes yeah he just needs to improve. He just needs. To, I think he needs to watch football. I mean, yeah. just give him a tape. Uh, give him a. Well, he said last year he, he sees himself on the same level as Messi and Tevez oh. and those guys. So I don't think he needs to watch yeah. a lot more. Obviously. I'm sorry. Did he really say that? Yeah. yeah. When he when he was called out for the was it the local selection or the oh, one of them? <laughs> Why do you have to tell me that? Oh, no. We're trying to be nice about oh, yeah. I know that. Well, I know there's a. He's um, got a face of stone. That's what he yeah. said. Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know there's um, an Argentine satirical com- commentator who posts on Twitter, like, he's a favourite of all of us, uh, La Guarda Niembra. I don't follow it. You don't follow it? <laughs> it's follow fantastic, it. you, no, should, it's you should follow it. And he made the point, he kind of, you know, it's all very um, acidic stuff, very dry wit that he kind of takes some, takes the piss out of all Argentine footballers, especially Malche and Fulnif Mori's another favourite. <laughs> I think his point was during a Boca game when Malche just missed one of his trademark sitters. It was... Once Machi learns how to take the bag off his head, he's going to be messy. But that's not going to happen for a while. For now, he's still going to be Machi. And yeah, I think I can't really add anything to that. Yeah, we. Uh, I don't think he's going to be breaking any club goal scoring records anytime soon. We apologise to any French listeners who are offended by the pronunciation of the player's mm. surname. Uh, Ooh, the last minutes. Um, what other games are there to, to discuss, guys? Lanús, who we're currently watching in the Copa Libertadores, lost on Friday night to Argentinos, one <laughs> nil um, uh, in in Lanús' stadium. Um, Argentinos are kind of not exactly more thrilling to watch than last year. They were incredibly dull for the yeah. whole of last year until Corazito took a took a couple of good results. Yeah, right? um, they're, they're just starting to look a little bit more competent. At mm. least, though, you, you know, they're not thrilling. 
Well, they've put together a couple of wins so far this, yeah. this season. I, I haven't watched that, that game in particular, and, but I heard this guy, Pablo Hernandez, uh, Riquelme said that he will pay uh, a ticket just mm. to watch this he guy really play, good, and, yeah. and that's that's some praise. That's pretty good praise, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And apparently he's one to watch, and uh, and oh, I will I definitely that. keep an eye on him because uh, I wasn't aware uh, of of his presence at all. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. But and they've, got, they've, they've got a young, goals, yeah, yeah. They've got a young midfielder as well, Inigas, in I think it is, isn't mm. it? Uh, uh, Inigas, yeah. Who's also looking really good. He's about eighteen or nineteen or something, I think. Yeah. Uh, and he's coming in and, and doing very well in the kind of. I guess you'd call it the the role that Nestor Gorosito played for them um, in their championship winning side a couple of years ago. Ortigosa, um, maybe. Ortigosa. Ortigosa, not Gorosito. <laughs> You're quite right, yeah. It's, it's all these R's. Ortigosa and Gorosito is basically an anagram. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> obviously what I was thinking. Uh, I'm not quite sure yeah. what happened there. Jesus. My brain just shut off for so half a second while I was talking. Um, Nestor Ortigosa. Uh, both of them are. Strongly linked with Argentinos as well, of course, which makes it doubly confusing. <laughs> and San Lorenzo. Yes. Well, he played for San Lorenzo, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Inigas looks good, and, and as you say, Pablo Hernandez as well. Um, we've, we've been trying for quite a while to get um, Dan Schweimler on here, who, who does the hand of pod, uh, hand of, <laughs> hand <laughs> of Dan. Dan. Uh, we start going. It's just another Dan. <laughs> Can we really throw another one? Yeah, um, he's, a, he's an Argentinos fan, and he goes every week, so it'll, it'll be great to have him on eventually, and he can give us the lowdown on that even better. If you're listening, Dan, <laughs> get in touch. We've got your number. <laughs> um, um, we had a question for from Ed Malion about yeah. Godoy Cruz mm-hmm. whether they've lost it yes uh, whether they've had it well I think no but at some point this constant, constant managerial changes yeah. was going to yeah. take yeah. its toll and and also the fact that they're playing Copa Libertadores it's, yeah. not, it's not helping they, they don't have a really deep squad and They've been overachieving for so long that now we're kind of surprised that they're not winning and they're, course, not up, yeah. they're not up there. And but I think it's it's pretty logical what's hap- what's happening to them now. Yeah. And we should say in uh, Libertadores as well. It's not just that in the group; they're probably in the mm. hardest group of the competi- yeah. uh, competition. They've got um, Atletico Nacional, who they played a fantastic four-all draw with. Uh, Two weeks ago, I believe now, mm-hmm. and then they've also got Universidad de Chile, who we've mentioned before, like brilliant looking side, won the Copa Sudamericana, and then the weakest team, if you can call it that, is Peñarol, who were the the Copa finalists last year. Yeah, so, yeah, and very strong, yeah. and, and with a lot of experience playing Copa Libertadores, and exactly, they're always very res- resilient and yeah, hard to beat. So, so basically, Coro Cruz can't afford to put. You know they have to play their strongest side in the Copa every week, otherwise, you know they're going to get blown away and embarrassed. Yeah. So, and as you say, with such a small squad, this I just can't see there's any chance that they're going to be able to do it on two fronts. If they're going to construct in the Copa, then that's a valid choice. The problem Probably, that they've had yeah. so far really is recovering from their their Copa games. I don't think they've won a match uh, after playing a Copa Libertadores game in midweek. Yeah. They might manage gaps the first one, but um, well, they they only won once this uh, Clausura, and it was. Against surprise, surprise, Racing. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And uh, yeah, it was uh, near the end, and you could say they got more than they deserved that day. Yeah, um, um, it was probably a draw was a fair result in yeah. that game. Yeah. 
So yeah, I'm not. I have to be honest. I'm not really surprised that they're not doing well right, right now, and it's pretty logical in my yeah. in my how, opinion. How much of this will be put down to to the board, or, or, or at least to finances? Because the reason that they lost Omar Assad yeah. after he became the first ever manager to take a team from Mendoza into the Copa Libertadores just what just over a year ago or something at the end of the uh, 2010 yeah. Apertura. Um, the reason they lost him was that he then went to the board and said I'd like a bit of a pay rise and also a bit more investment in the squad so that we can try and compete in the Libertadores and they said no yeah. and it was, no, exactly, no. Yeah, it was exactly the same case as well with uh, Jorge de Silva yeah. he got yeah, into the Libertadores he asked for you know, more investment and improved contracts they said we can give it to him and see what's right say so if they're going to go through this every season then it's going to be hard to yeah. and with Assad it was a, a, bit, a little bit of Assad speculating with uh, a move to Vélez mm. because Gareca wasn't sure of mm. renewing yeah, or staying yeah, there. And Assad, of course, a Vélez legend, yeah. scored a goal in the Intercontinental Cup against AC Milan. Um, was really keen on moving to to Vélez as a mm. full-time manager. So I think it was a bit of yeah. um, I'm making myself available for Vélez. And then he ended up resigning from Godoy Cruz and ended up going to Ecuador Emelec, but just as a last resource yeah. I think because he he was all in to go to Vélez yeah. and it, it didn't happen to him so uh, and then of course he came back and had a non-successful spell with San Lorenzo mm, and now I mm. don't think he's working yeah. Mm. yeah but yeah the the managerial changes yeah really don't seem to help and I, I wonder how much money the, the, the club has to I wonder whether it's entirely the board making the decision not to invest and whether to an extent they just don't really have the option because uh, we have a, a regular listener each up on Twitter who is a Godoy Cruz fan he's, he's not I, I don't think he might be Argentine but he doesn't live in Argentina he's, he's mentioned to me that he's coming over uh, or came over fairly recently to go and watch a couple of Godoy matches and he was saying to me that um they're the best team in Mendoza but that they don't have the best support of any mm-hmm. team in Mendoza they, their fans you know, if you've not got fans going to the stadium then that's obviously a lot of money that the club's potentially losing out on even for Copa Libertadores games um, it also doesn't help them with, with the inflation and with perhaps there not being as much money in the provinces when there are midweek matches the fans have to chop and change and pick and choose which games they go mm-hmm. to um, so Godoy maybe don't have the financial to get a, strength to a federal really. mentioning they, they have bought a, a very good uh, yeah. federal number 5 uh, Federico Bertola who's uh, he took a couple of games, but now he seems to be established in the team. Um, there was talk of him actually going to England. Uh, I don't know how accurate that was last year, but he's ended up going to Godoy Cruz, so he may stay there for a, for a year or two before moving on. But that, that was a good signing for them. He's young as well, isn't he? Like, yeah, he's, he's, no, he's a bit older than that. He's been around for a little while, okay. maybe 22 or something. Right. I thought he was younger for some reason. Um, excellent. Uh, any other outstanding results that we've missed so far, guys? Um, I'm not sure about outstanding results that we missed. Um, My little experiment of predicting the opposite got me a 4 out of 10 in the predictions. So, mm, that's pretty much what you get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we can say whatever results you put, you're probably not going to get higher than 5. Yeah. <laughs> it's just impossible. No, I think my record is 7 now from a few weeks ago. But I, uh, I got 3 last week, yeah. thanks to Diego Abel giving that ridiculous <laughs> column goal. I would have been on 4 if it weren't for that. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, I'm going to play a little bit of music now. I'm not quite sure how long we've been recording for, but um, when I come back, what are we going to do? Should we take a couple of the questions that we've had? Yeah. yeah. Uh, when, when, when we come back, we'll, we'll take a couple of questions, so don't go anywhere. 
Okay, we're coming back to uh, just a couple of questions. We've not had very many this week. Um, they were both, in fact, from Matt Baumgartner, who is on Twitter, 5280 Rapids. And he wants to know about a couple of players who we may or may not have seen, um, with the emphasis very much on not. Uh, <laughs> the first is, is Matthias Suarez of Anderlecht, who's been linked with the move to Arsenal in, in England, not, not in Sarandi. Um, uh, particularly heavily in, in the last kind of month or so, um, uh, Suarez played for Belgrano up until about 2008. Before Belgrano, well, one season in the Primera, and I think one season in the second division, and then moved to Anderlecht. Uh, so we're going to throw this over to Seba, who is the native Argentine, of course, <laughs> has seen far more mm-hmm. of him when he was at Belgrano than the rest of us. Yeah, you know, Matt uh, also when he asked the question, he, he pointed out that he's. He thinks it's a similar case with uh, Nicolás Frutos, another Argentine striker, different uh, uh, than different than Matías Suárez in in their style of play, but similar in a way that he was great in Belgium, and he was probably uh, and this is now my opinion he was probably um, good to very good striker in Argentina, but not the best mm-hmm. uh, when he was playing here and I'm talking about both Suarez and, and Frutos but you wonder whether uh, they're really really good or ready to play in a Premier in a league uh, mm-hmm. like the Premier League or Spain and because they're doing their business in Belgium and they're really one, considered as one of the best uh, out there Frutos is already retired. Uh, I'm talking about Suarez now. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's too confusing. But yeah, I, I saw in Suarez uh, some pace. I think he's a, he's, he's a quick uh, striker, quick forward that will be good to play with a bigger forward next to him. Pablo Mate. <laughs> no, Suarez is not that. Talk about Dan with fake fries. He's got a better decision-making uh-huh. process, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not hard to no. have a better decision-making <laughs> process than 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 Mochi. Only if but you're only Felipe has a better decision-making. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen hamsters Mochi. with roller skates in the pools with better decision-making. Yeah, abilities zombie has that. Zombie has better. Yeah, you'll have a worse. <laughs> you'll have a worse uh, football IQ than Paulo Mochi only if your name is Sean Wright Phillips, <laughs> who's sending my QPR down to the championship uh, with this constant. Terrible. Yeah. So to track, to track this <laughs> kicking and screaming back onto subjects, um, yeah, the most that we can say apparently about Matias Suarez is that he's not as bad as Pablo Mauricio. Yeah. No, not as bad. <laughs> but I don't. But he's he's not as good as a Kunawero. Uh, and I'm being obvious here, but he's a similar. He falls somewhere in the middle. <laughs> somewhere in the middle. <laughs> there we go. Um, that's yeah. the expert opinion you all in that huge universe. <laughs> he's, he's not completely shit. He's also not one of the top five strikers exactly. in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge universe yeah. uh, between those yeah. two. That's the last time he's going to ask us a question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. to, um, to ask a serious question, because I can't say I watch much of the Belgian league. You were saying about how Matias Suarez and Frutas, yeah, good, very good here, and they've done well in Belgium. Like, would you say the Belgian leagues? On a par with Argentina, or maybe a little bit worse, or what kind of what kind of level would we be looking at? Well, based on we the, the kind of football you watch, so yeah. No, no, I, I'm not really not knowledgeable in, uh, when it comes to the Belgian league, but I can only assume that, uh, given the importance 
someone like Suarez is getting in Belgium and he's been named the top Belgi- uh, the top player in the Belgian league he wasn't anywhere near being named the top Argentine yeah. or being con- even considered as similar story to someone that, yeah. to- some of the top five strikers when he was playing in Argentina mm-hmm. So I can only assume that he's, he's, he's a higher level in yeah, level Argentina. Yeah, I know, maybe it's Alexis Sanchez or something like that. Yeah, he's, he's doing very well at Barcelona, but wasn't wasn't all that here. I mean, players can develop, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, they can. And, and I think that was uh, Alexis' case. And when he went to Udinese, he really, he really blossomed there in, in, for Udinese. And you can say the same about Diego Milito, maybe because he, when he was here, he w- he was considered as not very good, yeah. and then a bit of a donkey. Kind so of so he was a substitute for him. Oh come on, you're you're playing yeah, tricks on me now. These are the words I <laughs> no, just heard come out of your mouth. So. <laughs> I was only giving this example of late blossomers uh, as Diego Milito, and I think Alexis. Uh, is one is one late blossomer too? Uh, not late, 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 late bloomer. Late bloomer. L- l- okay. Give it a okay. <laughs> late bloomer. Right. <laughs> um, and then Matt also wanted to know about Paulo Dybala. Mm-hmm. He plays for Instituto, and Instituto are pl- uh, fighting it out with River in second division, mm-hmm. and in big part if because of Dybala, uh, yeah. he's been. Awesome for for them. And I think what's he scored? Maybe I'm gonna kill myself here trying to get the exact number, but mm. it's definitely over 12 or 13 goals he scored. Yeah, it's about 12, I think. Yeah. Which for a kind of a teenager, I think he might have just turned 18. Is uh, yeah. fantastical. And yeah. Not, not their line leading striker either. If, if I'm no, he's not an out and out striker. He's not. Yeah, exactly. He's not say uh, Kavanagi at that level who is just in the box and he's gonna get a lot of goals. He he creates a lot himself. I know this weekend he against. Why do I do this to myself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chacarita. Against Chacarita, yeah, yeah, Chacarita yeah. And he scored a fantastic free kick, which had kind of it swerved, it had pace, it gave the keeper no chance. And there's been there's been a few for the highlight reel definitely this year. Yeah, apparently Inter Milan are really keen on him, and there uh, some Inter devoted websites are even coming to Cordoba to interview him and to run a, run a couple of pieces on him. And he's certainly one really talented guy who will who will have an impact in, in any league he goes to in Europe. And uh, I think the question we then have to ask is: it's a similar case with, say, Lucas Ocampos, who we've talked about before, and has been linked, say, to Chelsea and England already because he's been fantastic at 17 years old. The My river, point, river player. The river player. Yeah. My point would be that: do you think these players need at least kind of one year in Primera before leaving? I don't know if they need it. I think they, it will help them. Yeah, and yeah, and that's that's what I'd say. And I also, English Dan and I were talking whilst uh, whilst Seba and Australian Dan were re- refreshing uh, our memories collectively of, of the questions. And I was kind of saying that I, it's kind of odd because you never got this kind of transfer rumor of second division Argentine player to enormous European club until Except River went down and then all of a sudden no, no, there's Neil Campos sorry, sorry. In the no, season, no, I have to stop you here except when Instituto transfer Alejandro Faulin to QPR you're talking about <laughs> top Euro come on come on but even that no, but it's, it's even that, that wasn't was in the making for six months previous, you know no. it, I'm, I'm not saying it didn't happen mm, yeah. second players no, it was an exception no, it wasn't an exception this kind of thing wouldn't have been making the news no. um, yeah. but, but the fact that 
suddenly people are getting really excited about this deal that may or may not happen. He's, he's playing. In, I mean, yeah, they're, they're both clearly really good players. Ocampos is, is 17 still. He's really young. Dybala, mm. 18, 17, 18. Yeah, they're, 18. They're both, you know, kids. They're both going to be tremendously talented. But at the moment, they're in the second division. Mm-hmm. So, from that point of view, let's not get too excited. Um, and it, yeah. it was something that Fernando Cabanaki just today, mm-hmm. in fact, sort of with tongue-in-cheek very firmly sort of hinted out he was being asked in a press conference after one of Rivers training sessions and he sort of said uh, th- th- they said what do you think of, of the second division How it's been a bit more difficult for River than you know maybe people expected because Alejandro Dominguez the other day said that it was being that it, he thought River was just, just going to breeze it and that's not what happened and Cavalaki sort of went well you know um I sometimes get the impression this season that there are more people watching the second division than watching the first division um, which obviously he meant as I said uh, during the break sort of half jokingly but at the same time it's, there's definitely this element of River have gone down but also there's a really good title race going on in the second division yeah and it's a long tournament yeah. and that's that's something most people love in Argentina yeah, yeah. but you, you have four teams is yeah. separated but what three four yeah, points exactly. and the important thing is it's four teams with a massive following massive in following Argentina. we've got Quilmes we've got Rosario Instituto and River in and their different regions as well in different yeah. regions yeah they're kind of and four powerhouses in their particular region and, and of, of those four River, Instituto and, and Central let's say all try and play attacking football at least mm. but then it doesn't always come off for the it was another um, it's, it's very really different to, to in the Apertura where Boca won the Apertura easily whilst let's say not playing the prettiest football anybody had ever seen um, so you can sort of understand this increased interest in, in the second division um, which started I think to an extent maybe started last season when Rafaela did so well um, but this season last season Rafaela were miles better than the rest of the division whereas this season you've got four sides who genuinely all four of them look like they could come up and yeah. cause some yeah. real damage in the Primera next season if they, if No and also you, you raised the point about uh, a couple of players young players uh, raising a few eyebrows and while being playing in, mm-hmm. in the second division but you have to also have in mind that due to different circumstances but I think River and Instituto are better than possibly five, six, seven teams from well, definitely, first yeah. edition yeah, so yeah. Well, last season River were better than 14 of them <laughs> over the yeah. course of the season yeah. yes. and they've improved their, their team yeah. as well. I think no I think there's no doubt in that and you can probably include Central in that as well that yeah. we're a different we're another case of that you know one bad season and condemn them but mm. yeah but know. then again we're, we're talking about their opponents in a second Division. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also when you're a European club and you, you want to buy some talent one of the important things is uh, well in my opinion I don't know if that, that's really a decisive factor for them to choose a player but you want to know and you want to see how they react uh, how they respond in a pressure situation yeah, and <laughs> there's nothing like play, fighting for a title in the second division no. for a big club in, in like Instituto is yeah. It's not a big club uh, when it comes to nationwide importance, mm. but it certainly is a massive and a powerhouse in one of the biggest cities in Argentina. Yeah, there is an element of pressure there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that that shouldn't be in the way of uh, a, t- a European team trying to buy talent from Argentina. Oh, no, sure. I'm, I'm not saying that it, it should. I'm, I'm just saying there's an element to me of sort of jumping on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. It's suddenly like, oh, it's cool to watch Argentine second division football because River are in it. Um, so let's make up these ridiculous rumours about players we wouldn't have heard of if, if they weren't playing against River Plate. <laughs> I, I think you're being a bit harsh on I think that's quite a cynical view. I think 
we should just appreciate that the, the game's been opened up we're appreciating it a lot more football I think your way is a very very cynical I'm, I'm being cynical <laughs> towards the people who are making these rumours the, the scouting systems of course taking the second division anyway I'm, I'm yeah. aware of that but you never got the same media attention being lavished on these kids uh, as, as, as would have happened before um Dan, you were trying to say something about five minutes ago. Uh, no, it was just about Ma- another part of Matt's question about uh, it was about whether Instituto de Barcelona, the second division, or something <laughs> like that. And, um, no, I mean, we talked about Instituto a few weeks ago, I think, and they, like as you've already said, um, they, they should be a force when they do come up. They mm. they are a really good team. Uh, when not if you're saying so, they're definitely did, up. Yes, I think they're definitely Ooh. up. And uh, uh, which raises uh, another issue, and I wanna bring it to the table uh, in my opinion I see this season the teams in first division that fall in promotion places I don't think they're going to be favourites to win the promotion mm-hmm. no. uh, against whoever the, the yeah. team coming yeah, from the second right. division I, I think you're right because yeah. generally the, the team that wins that is the team that's in form um, and this season so sometimes that can be the Primera side because the the sides have just dropped into the the Promotion place in the second division have dropped into the playoff place having been in yeah, first yeah. or second for the season. That's not going to happen this year. Whoever's there is, is going to spend the whole season on a really good run. Yeah. Um, and also the the, the, the T- T- Tigre could stand a chance. Yeah, that's just Tigre. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if it's going to be all boys make, or uh, even San Lorenzo, yeah. you can see them losing the, that. The, the stats re- are really uh, really support. The first division teams and it's over the way it's set up as well. If it's an aggregate, yeah, it's a lot to do with the, the, the pre-set yeah, 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 up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also previously, I thought uh, or I think the, the golfing class was bigger, and now, well, with the with the kind of teams, uh, it, it, it comes well. It goes to the point you were raising then about uh, big teams playing in second mm-hmm. division now, and they have big budgets uh, budgets as well, as well. Um, so I think the, the teams coming from second division, uh, getting to promotion places, yeah. are going to be favourites yeah. against those from yeah. first division. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, it, it looks as if they're going to be clear favourites, and yeah. it's going to be really scary for teams from first division who fall in, in promotion. Because yeah. I think one example I can give to you know, to see how the second division's grown in stature, grown in qualities, at least since I've been here, which is, you know, a couple of years, nearly three years, is the fact that you had a coach like uh, Juan Antonio Pizzi, mm. very talented mm-hmm. young coach, and he took Universidad Católica to the Copa quarterfinals, the uh, Libertadores mm-hmm. quarterfinals. He decided to go to a second division Argentine club, uh, Rosario Central, overseeing in you know, one yeah. of the top three Chilean clubs and playing in international tournaments, South American tournaments, which yeah, he shows, you know, five years ago, yeah. you're not going to get a, a coach from a top Chilean or Uruguayan club choosing to come to, say, mm. uh, Chacarita or uh, Patronato and one of these yeah. clubs. Uh, I think, like, Caruso Lombardi is the same. He could be with a big European team. Right <laughs> I, would, I would love to see that. Maybe Real Madrid or... Uh, no, no, but Pizzi maybe took that decision with his heart because he's... Uh, For a part, yeah, yeah. but also because... He must see potential. He must see the chance yeah, to build yeah. a team there. Yeah, he's you know, he's got heart, but he's also got very very astute brain. Yeah, of course, of course, he sees the so, potential yeah. there. Exactly. And Central at home have been impressive, yeah. really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. 
since we've talked about the second division uh, for a while, we'll just do the <laughs> bi-weekly, fortnightly uh, river update. They won 3-0 against... Oh, bloody hell. No, come on. You should have <laughs> studied. Yeah. Um, a tricky one because at, Merlo at knocked, knocked the Estudiantes out of the Copa Argentina. Yeah. Um, and that was at home in, in Menezarsfield Stadium because uh, Roger Waters, of course, is... In fact, he's ending tonight, isn't he? Uh, he's been playing uh, the wall. Uh, at the Monumental how well does someone agree to that I don't know yeah. so they rebuilt they rebuilt the walls in the end oh. they rebuilt the walls in the Monumental <laughs> yes <laughs> apparently they did his jokes are getting worse and worse well, yeah. <laughs> I prefer mine to be honest but I'll leave them and we can let the listeners make their minds up um, I'm going to play some music now and when we get back uh, Mystic Dan has got another unique take on how to predict the Argentine Primera this coming weekend Mystic Dan, um, take us through your method for this week. Well, you guys seem to think it's some kind of novelty, but it's actually what I do all the time anyways. <laughs> basically, choosing them on the spot without any real <laughs> background research or anything. So, but the difference is I'm doing it live this time. So, so this is the first thing that comes into your head, okay? No, no second thoughts. <laughs> go ahead. All right, so I'm going to go uh, all boys to beat Banfield away. Uh, Rafaela to draw with San Lorenzo. <laughs> Um, Belgrano and San Martín de San Juan to draw Racing to beat Unión Estudiantes to beat Argentinos Tigre to beat Arsenal Boca to beat Lanús um, Colón to draw with Independiente Coroy Cruz to draw with Olimpo and Vélez to beat Niels If you've yeah, ever wondered what it enough. sounds like to hear genius at work <laughs> That was not it. <laughs> um, <laughs> any interest? So three, three home wins this week, four draws and two away wins. No, no three away wins. For wins. Hong Kong, I found myself predicting a hell of a lot of away wins this week. I'm slightly worried. Uh, <laughs> except that was how the Apertura went, so fingers crossed. I'll be okay. Mm. Um, I can't see any... No, I can't see any particularly controversial picks, Yeah, for ones would perhaps be... I think maybe Godot Cruz and... We feel they should beat Olimpo. Mm-hmm. They've got a match in, in the Libertadores on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, the they will thing. be travelling to Medellin to play. Sorry, of course, yeah, they're in Medellin at the moment, aren't they? Uh, they've got to travel back. Yeah. Um, it's going to be tough for Lanús uh, if this, mm-hmm. this predictor result, the Boca win at home, which is rather very possible. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard for them because it's, be it will be like a fifth defeat yeah. in a row. Yeah, although Tough I'm just times. thinking, we, as we mentioned earlier, we're watching Lanus whilst recording. Uh, they've got about half an hour to go and they've been pretty impressive so far against Demelec. And I think to an extent, if they can... <laughs> well, I've, I've been turning them out fairly frequently and keeping an eye on them. I think to an extent, if they can hold on to this result, they may not necessarily care so much as well. They, they can find themselves a bit distracted. Mm. But, but Some fans were already very vocal against mm. Gabriel Churra. Of course, yeah, but if that's what I mean is if they're still alive in the Libertadores, that mm-hmm. gives them just that bit of hope, and they've got, I think, they like, have I think at least one home match to come as well, which should secure their, their qualification. You I think, think if they win this game, they'll have seven points, and you know a couple more should be enough yeah. to, uh, to send them through. And they do very much have their, pretty much their first, what I would call their first team in, in this Libertadores match. Yeah. So we may see, they'll definitely be a shuffle again. Uh, so bottom pretty, pretty strong favourites for that game. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Any others you, t- you too happy with the Racing Union prediction? Racing to win? I'm not happy when Dan picks Racing to win. No, he picked Olimpo to win last week and Racing won. No, he picked Racing to win. No. No, he picked Olimpo to win. Well, it was opposite side. Ah, you, you got me there. Yeah. So, yeah, I would have liked to have seen a, a Union win on your, on your predictions, but uh-huh. I think logically you might be, you might be right. <laughs> uh, is uh, Gio coming back? Yes, he is, but yeah. no, he's not. I think he's not going to play. for the moment. Yeah, I'm I think sure. if anything, he'll go to the bench. It's going to be fascinating to see when he does, uh, as yeah. we talked about with with Jonathan yeah. Wilson and etc. Whether, firstly, whether he gets picked, and whether, when he does get picked, whether they regress to their losing ways. Yeah. Yeah. So I know one one kind of scheme that's been pitched to me, talking to other people, talking to fans and whatnot, is that he would come in for Santander and play in this kind of. Target man, really? media punter place, and Teo would stay at uh, Enganche. Mm. Yeah, Ram- Ramon Cabrero, who is a former Lanús manager who won the league with Lanús recently for the first time in their history, he said he told players that the penalty area will protect them. Yeah. And I think it's a fantastic definition, and I yeah. think Teo, uh, Gio it's will really benefit if he plays uh-huh. uh, near the penalty area because mm-hmm. he wouldn't be kicked. Uh, no. The hell out of him! Like every time he yeah. he's on the ball in midfield, and I think it's it's a fantastic um, situation that Gio could benefit from because if you follow him just outside the area, he could punish you just as much from mm-hmm. with, with a free kick, and he will have more time to to yeah. to not to react but to. Solve this a problem. He will get the ball. He won't. He won't be kicked immediately because it will be a penalty, and then he will, he will score a hat trick from the penalty spot every every week if yeah. they kick them just as much as, as they do when he yeah. plays in midfield. So if you're now five straight three nails or penalty kicks, and I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> yes. this is, this is Bizarrely optimistic from you, <laughs> No, 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 it's not. I mean, to I'm listening to. no, but I think he, he, he could do a better job than Santander right now. Mm. Um, Santander is a great player to come off the bench. I yeah. think what we have in oh, Racing yeah. now that they have against tired defenders. <laughs> yeah. I think what they have now in Racing that's been missing for a couple of years is that there's people that to come off the bench, as we saw on Saturday at half time, I think. Racing just about. Overpowered Olimpo in the first half without really penetrating, and then Basili was able to take off Zuccolini, who runs and he does a lot of hard work, and he put on Toranzo, who drives me crazy with all his missed passes. But <laughs> you know, every one in twenty is a good one, and that was kind of the key to unlocking the defence. So now in the resting, there are other players to bring off the bench and make a difference. Yeah. So I don't think there's any there's any problem with bringing you know. Maybe if Gio started on the bench or Santander, there's no problem. It's a team game, and yeah, but it's I want to see. I want to see the combination of Gio and Teo, but reversed like from what they used yeah. to play. It would be very. Gio was a yeah. midfielder, and Teo was a striker, and now it could change, yeah. and it could be yeah. interesting. And from what we've seen as well, Gio is a wicked finisher from close range. You yeah. see all his, you know, beautiful free kicks and whatnot, but from six yards, seven yards, he very rarely misses. He's deadly. Yeah, he's deadly. Uh, so. Total football coming to a stadium in Amesha near you. <laughs> yeah. um, on, this, on, on this note, however, we will leave you for the moment and we'll be back next next week to discuss how useless Giovanni Moreno is when he's a support pro. It's goodbye uh, from English Dan. Goodbye. Goodbye from Australian Dan. Bye now. Goodbye from Seba. See you, uh, well, until next Messi's Messi record. <laughs> and goodbye from me. Goodbye.